Hello, this is uh, another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager at Bona Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson, new head of IT at Bona. How you doing, Rob? Pretty good, bud. How's it going? Doing real well. Huh? Um, we're going to talk about uh, the twelve, the Bona's Twelve Commandments. Yes, we. I are. know the Bible has ten commandments, but uh, you know we needed a. We needed more. more. I think you actually added a 13th commandment. No, I, I didn't. I, I want to take one away and add add one to it, though. Oh. I want to change one of the commandments. Okay. Are you the are you the pope that I have to talk to to get that changed? No, oh, God. No, I'm just a, I'm just a, a lowly priest. I wouldn't be the uh, the archbishop that you would need to talk to. Uh, where are you at these days? Uh, I'm home, but uh, heading out to Jersey this week. What about you? I'm home, but it's probably the last week I'm home in the next six weeks. Yeah, start of the year's uh, start of the year's always uh, that's I like to do a lot of travel. Get get your feet wet, get things going. Well, I got a chance last week. Uh, I traveled last week. I got a chance to meet an old friend of mine, Daniel Boone. I uh, spent some time with him. He said to say hi, by the way. And um, he calls uh, when when him and I were working together. He called us the. The Boone and the Spoon. His nickname for me was the Spoon. So uh, I I asked him that one day. I go, well, you know, where'd you come up with that spoon? Well, when we were doing NWFA, any NWFA classes that him and I would do, um, that was where I could drive to. I would always drive my work truck. And, you know, those NWFA schools, they had more stuff that they would throw away, plywood, two-by-fours, finish, sandpaper, and I would take every, everything, every single scrap I would take, a nail, you name it. I came home with hundreds or maybe even a thousand dollars worth of products and you name it, I had it. Him and a couple of the other guys used to just laugh like hell. They're like, what do you want to do with this spoon? I'm like, put it in the truck, everything, in the truck. <laughs> it's like the Johnny Cash song, One Piece at a Time. <laughs> Love that song. We're going to talk about expectations today. It's something that that we really talk a lot about at the schools. And, um, you know, while we're doing each process, uh, you know, whether we're sanding, staining, whatever, uh, the expectations fall in line with everything that we're teaching. So today I thought we'd just uh, go over all of the Bona 12 Commandments. All 12 Commandments. All 12. All right. I don't know. It's going to be a long show, or maybe we can split it into two. Uh, thanks for getting ready to tell the audience that it's going to be long. <laughs> it's going to be a, a long one, folks, so buckle up. Nice. Uh, expectations. All right, Rob. Uh, we actually, we talk about this one a lot ourselves on the podcast. Uh, it's so important to set the table for, for, for what to expect and actually not what to expect as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. So our first commandment is what we're going to talk about expectations. Yeah. I thought we cleared that. I don't know. I didn't, I thought we made that. I didn't, I, I didn't I say it was number one. I thought we, you know, number one and then huh. number two. Okay. That kind of That's thing. Interesting. Yeah. On our on our list of of uh, twelve commandments, what is the first one? Our first one is expectations. That's kind of what I thought. All right. Um. You know, we say this a lot. If, if the most you can, you know, if a customer is expecting a ten, 
And the most they can, they can expect out of this job is an eight because of, you know, the nail holes, the boards, you know, there's some lateral movement in the boards. The board's been sanded several times, and maybe the things, some couple areas won't sand out. And uh, if their expectations are not in line with yours, then it doesn't matter. Uh, they're going to be dissatisfied with the job. So setting the table, set the expectations, uh, so important. I always used to tell my customers one of the big expectations was, hey, you know, this is flooring. This is not furniture. And you can't expect it to look like furniture because you don't walk on furniture, you know. It's interesting you said that because I knew a guy who was a furniture finisher. And uh, on a piece of furniture, he said there was like 23 different steps that they do on that piece of furniture. Well, when a homeowner wants to compare a hardwood floor to a piece of furniture, I mean, they're two different animals altogether. One, you're not walking on it. And two, you don't have enough money to pay me to go through all 23 of those steps uh, to get that piece of furniture. And it's a different type of finish, too. It's you know, it's, it's not finished. It's made to be walked on or played on or, you know, having a restaurant or a store or whatever. Commercial applications, it's completely different product all right so we hit expectations a lot in the past so let's just we'll, we'll move on to the next one what's the next one know that number two wayne is know thy species why is that important well you've got to set the tone for how you're going to sand this floor you're not going to attack a maple floor the same way you're going to attack a cherry floor or you're not going to attack a, a a new floor the same way you're going to attack an old floor yeah, and, and that even goes to uh, acclimation and all these other things as well. Um, some of these species are not very dimensionally stable, and so you certainly would treat that a little differently than you would some others. I know a lot of guys that would not work with maple floors. Um, they're just too unpredictable in their in their mind. Um, of course, we know um, even how you sand species like uh, Ipe and stuff like that. Uh, matters tremendously. Did you get into a lot of the exotics? Did you sand a lot of those? A lot, a lot. Yeah, because in in uh, California, especially back in in the, in the day, uh, you know, exotics were the new thing, the new darling of the industry, and uh, so we did see quite a few of them. Right now, it's interesting. There used to be a lot of red floors. I mean, you know, like uh, the Santos mahoganies and, uh, and the Ipes of certain brown, brownish red and that type of stuff and, uh, Australian brush box. And now those really have kind of gone away, you know, that given way to the, uh, to the wide, uh, uh, European white Oak, uh, hand scraped and that kind of stuff. And, uh, wire brushed and, uh, that white, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a sales guy selling those pieces of wood right now. I mean, um, that trend is really kind of, uh, gone away a little bit. Did you ever sand Paduke? Absolutely. That I had a lot of trouble sanding that, and it wasn't. I had trouble sanding it. It was. Uh, I had some weird reactions to that stuff. Breathing it in and uh, getting the dust on me and everything. That was. Uh, I had some bad reactions to it. So I think that's another thing you have to watch about when you're sanding some of these crazy species. When you said Paduk, that's I was just going to say that uh, I have I also like I do a lot of uh, well I used to do a lot of scroll saw work, and um, you know you're 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 inches away from that scroll saw blade and I I, I couldn't breathe afterwards. I mean it's like the worst stuffed nose I've ever had in my life. I I mean I really just was hard to breathe. 
And uh, I wonder what in the world is, you know, has caused that. And I went back out there and I'd, I'd do it again. And I realized it was that species of wood. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. You can have a reaction to it. It was crazy, the, the stuff. And, and see, I wasn't wearing my dust mask because, um, you know, when you're scroll sawing, you, you blow the wood a little, uh, you know, because it's such a technical, precise cut. And if I had a dust mask on, I couldn't blow the uh, blow the dust out of my way. And I didn't like the, you know, the scroll saw comes with a thing that'll do that, but it didn't work very well. But I had to totally change up. And now I, I, I don't, I wouldn't put that in one of my jobs now because of that. And, and you know, like you said, uh, you know, different species get sanded in different ways. And I, I go back to uh, my notes, you know, that I, I, I like to keep notes in a journal on if anytime I do something new or, or a different technique or, I learned something on a job. I put it in in my uh, in my notes. Didn't the Unabomber keep a journal? I think he did. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty sure yeah. he did. Yeah, I, think I have the mind of a, a, a Unabomber. Uh, no, no, but uh, you both kept journals. Where do you live again? <laughs> I move around a lot. Okay. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to read that journal of yours sometime. Or I don't know if I do, but. That could probably be an entire podcast is just flipping through your journal. Yeah, and probably get me fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, know your species. Know thy species. Uh, that was number two. You ready yep, to yep. move on to number three? I am. You see any good movies this weekend? I saw a fantastic movie this weekend. What'd you see? Yeah, I, I, I think it should be considered for the Academy Award for Best Picture. I seen a, I think it's a Korean movie. It's called uh, Parasite. It's about greed and class discrimination and um, uh, between wealthy and poor. And it, it was a it was a comedy. <laughs> that sounds like a comedy. <clears throat> well, it was a comedy and also a bit of a maybe you'd call it a dark comedy. But it was really 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 good. It's subtitled. But uh, my food favorite two movies of the year now are uh, are that one and. Um, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I still want to... I haven't seen that. I still got to see that one. Now, this was a subtitle movie? You had to read the entire movie? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know... I, uh, I'm not crazy about that type of I'm, movie. I'm telling you, if you only see one subtitle movie, this is the movie. It's a fantastic movie. Parasite. But you read the whole movie. Yes. I read the whole movie. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work for me, I think. Well, you, you don't want to come in after a big meal and, and catch a 10 o'clock show at night, for sure. <laughs> we used to do that. We used to have friends that they, uh, they, had a, uh, they had a babysit for their grand, they had a babysit their grandkid. And so we could never really go to movies until the late movie. And I'd sleep through half of them. So, uh, did, did you ever see yeah. the movie Out of Africa? Yeah, a long time ago. A long, yeah. long time ago, Robert Redford yeah, movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had been on the road for about two weeks and this was back when I was still doing uh, bowling alleys and stuff. So I'm on the road for about two weeks. And I come back and, you know, the, your wife has been waiting for you. She doesn't just want to watch you lay on the couch and go to sleep. So I always tried to, you know, get home on Friday, get showered up and take her out, you know. So she said, geez, I really want to see this movie out of Africa. And I'm like, well, let me shower up and off we go. So we'll, what did you think of that movie out of Africa? Or do you remember what you thought of it? I don't. Even, I don't even remember it so long ago. Well, it 
I'm starting to doze off right now, even saying the words out of Africa. Well, I passed out sleeping so bad and snoring so bad in this. She was, you know, shaking me and waking me up that a guy a few rows behind me, he started to scream out in the place, you know, if he's that tired, bring him home. <laughs> it's funny. And I, uh, I just kept like, you know, coming to, and I swear she was, she told the same story. I forget the, the woman in it, you know, she's a big time actress, but she was just telling this like story around a campfire. I think it lasted for hours and hours and hours. It was absolutely. Was that Meryl? What? Was that Meryl Streep? Yes. Was it Meryl yes. Streep? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you would think, you know, Meryl Streep, Robert Redford, but oh, oh my God, that movie just, that movie wiped me out. We've seen a movie recently where I saw the beginning of the movie, you know, the first few minutes of it, and then I fell asleep. And when I woke up, this guy went through a wood chipper and the credits came up. <laughs> That's all I saw of the movie. I just saw him go through the wood chipper and then pretty much the credits rolled up. So. <laughs> all, right. all right. What's the next one? Number three. Environment, temperature. Relative humidity and dew points. Now, you know what a big nut I am for this stuff. I love this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, working in the sport business during the summers, you know, sometimes things would happen on the floor that I just could never figure out why is this happening today? You know, you're doing the same thing every day. You're turning out the, you know, the same work. You're doing the same process, you know. Sometimes in the same school systems, and and you know that you're working on the same exact finish that you worked on last week, and then all of a sudden everything is just flying out the window. You know, things aren't reacting correctly, and that's when I found out that a lot of it has to do with dew points. And really, the thing you have to remember, I mean, there's a whole math. It's pretty simple math equation, but really, the thing you have to remember is the number five. And the dew point needs to be at least five points away from the temperature of the floor. And there's all sorts of ways that you figure out the dew point in the room and everything. But really, the big thing you need to remember is five, because... As that dew point gets closer to the temperature of the floor, you know, say the floor was 72 and your dew point is 70, you're going to get water droplets forming on the floor. And that's when, you know, they're microscopic water droplets, but, you know, just think of like a can of soda out in the hot sun, that kind of thing. Well, I think this is one of these things that confounds guys is that God, you know, we do this every day, same thing. And, 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 you know, we work with the same products mostly and, and you get to know products and all of a sudden something, something squirrely happens. And you think, why, you know, why, why now, why this job, why did this happen? Because I do this all the time. And most of the time it has something to do with the environment. Um, you know, this, I say it all the time, the, the, that can of stain is the same can of stain it is in, in the, in June as it is in, in, uh, December. It's the same with the finish. It's the same as, you know, it's the same can of stain as in Hawaii as it is in Arizona. It's the conditions that, that, that catch us. 
So um, we don't take those for granted. And, um, you know, we acclimate the finish like we do everything else. I think that's important, especially, you know, we're coming in the winter right now. You certainly want to take cold finish into a job and, and expect it to perform like you want it to. So all these things separate the guys that tend to have some problems from guys that, you know, things move along a little smoother. So yeah, the the conditions are that's the that's the uh, that's the wild card, right? That's the thing that that you can control a lot of things, but uh, if we don't control the the environment or at least understand how it's going to react to our products, then then that's a you know then it's it's a wild card that we might have to deal with. Now also the environment changes throughout the day. You know even even from mer- you know morning till to evening the environment. Uh, makes a big make big change sometimes that's why we you know we talk about solar gain and not coding until certain times of the day or evening on jobs or using plastic and that type of stuff and and uh, little micro uh, climates in the environment like um, refrigerator like I said when I when I start coding I turn it I reach inside the refrigerator and turn the refrigerator down to a slow uh, to a low setting maybe have a snack if there's something good in there you think oh always yeah. especially if there's a painter on the job yeah. <laughs> Man, That's right, man. I don't. I, right. I didn't want to say anything, but he ate three or four of those Twinkies that was in the. You know, I know I'm on the job too, so I. The only reason I bring it up, is I put the last Twinkie in my mouth. <laughs> uh, temperature too. I mean, you and when you're using finishes, you have to, it be able to maintain at least fifty degrees. Once something drops, once the temperature drops below fifty degrees. All finishes and stains just stop doing anything. They don't dry. They don't cure. So you have to be able to maintain. That was something that um, we got in trouble one time because it was great when we were there. But when we were leaving, he was shutting the salamanders down and the temperature was dipping down into the 40s. And we just could not figure out what was going on with the finish until, you know, until it was too late. So maintaining temperatures on new construction sites always a challenge oh yeah always a challenge and even dark floors really ebony you know cocoa colored floors when uh, when it gets hot i mean those hot floors really heat up uh, those dark floors i think so. every floor guy has done that i think we've all pulled some finish on a hot floor not realizing that it's you know two three o'clock in the afternoon sun's been beating through a wall of glass and you pull a finish over a floor that's sitting at 80 or 90 degrees and she instantly dries that's not a good thing we call that flashing well i can um a picture a job we did where uh uh it had skylights and about an oh, area about oh, yeah, eight, yeah. about eight, 20 inches by three foot when you came across with a t-bar you could feel it put the brakes on so yeah it all matters mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching my cat now uh, destroyed my house as we're as we're speaking. We just got a kitten. The fifth, the fifth. I th- I think people think we have a cat sanctuary here. <laughs> my cat see my my wife sees a stray and she can't pass it by. It just and uh, it just people are dropping our, them off now. I I think they they don't, yeah. I mean um our cats the rest of our cats are middle aged now and this one's you know like I don't know he looks like he's like four months old and he is absolutely terrorizing the other cats. And uh, destroying the house. So, what happened to the dog you got? Oh, uh, the dog was trying to kill the cats. So it was a it was, it was a World War Three, and I came upstairs, and uh, 
he was trying to eat one of the cats, basically. So I had him microchipped. I had him. I had him. We took him to the pound. We had a microchip. We cleaned him up, whatever. And anyhow, my wife found a home for the guy. I want a dog. You know me. I, I know. I, mean, I know. But uh, I think the problem was you never gave that dog a name. Well, he's not going to feel like part of the family if he just, well, is, you just, you know, good, hey, good, hey, dog. A good way to feel like you're part of the family is not try to eat one of the cats. So he had to go. It was him or it was going to be me and him. So I told my wife, I will find a home for him. And we did. So, all right. What's the next? Uh, humidity. Relative humidity. We talked about temperature. How that can that can trip you up, but humidity. And I think sometimes humidity can be your friend. Uh, you know, if you're pulling water base, a little bit of humidity going to give you a little bit of flow and leveling time. But if you're doing some oil-based products, that's going to kind of cut into your dry times a little bit. So there are times um, in California in the summertime and there was really hot conditions and let's say I've got a sealer down or I'm getting ready to put the last coat on and it is hot in the house and dry. Uh, sometimes we would tack the floor with water first uh, and let it flash a little bit, let it sit for a little bit before we coated the floor. Uh, just to kind of, you know, cool it down a little bit, introduce a little bit of, and again, we don't, not saturating the floor here, but just to cool it down a little bit and uh, add a little humidity to it uh, sometimes helped us. Uh, we just had that up at the school in Toronto. Um, it was very cold. Heat was on. Humidity dropped really low, very low humidity. It was down below 30. And we were pulling that first coat of sealer on bare wood. So, you know, I was kind of happy about it when I had the students there because I said, hey, this is, uh, this is real world, okay? This stuff is going to set up quick so we can't be messing around here this is all hands on deck and you have to make sure that we're hitting our flow rates on the high side of that so we give everything a chance to flow and level out because if you start pulling those sealers thin on a bare floor on a dry dry day you could have some issues um you reminded me um i was at a nwfa class uh, up in washington years ago many years ago and there was a, you know, different, it seemed like there was like four different Finnish manufacturers there. And, and, uh, one of the guys I just didn't like, um, no, not you, guy. you like yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, this guy didn't. So anyhow, <laughs> who he was, was talk about rolling. Let's, let's talk. Uh, well, I'll tell you later. You'll, you'll know who he is when I tell let's you. Let's do a podcast but anyhow, about the guy. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if he's in the industry anymore. Uh, I know he's not a rep. Uh, I, I don't know. But anyhow, he, um. He was going to talk about rolling and how, how what a great technique rolling was. And uh, he kept going on about rolling at lunch. And, you know, he's pretty kind of a loud guy. And um, he was on a different panel than me. And, Are uh, you talking about me? No, no. Okay. And um, he had everybody's attention. The problem was in the room we were in, it was, it, was really, it was a VFW place. It was really, really hot, man. And they had a fan going 90 miles an hour over his head. And as he's talking, I'm thinking – He's not going to turn that fan off. This is going to be great. <laughs> and so uh, he's talking, and then he starts rolling out there, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's, he's, he's not turning that fan off. And he didn't. And I was blown away that he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done that because now that air caught him, and that finish dried so bad. 
I mean, nothing flowed out. You know, with rolling, you need dead, you need dead air in the house, especially. And uh, it was it just as much as he talked about how great this technique was and everything. His panel looked just dreadful. If I liked the guy, I would have told hey, him. Hey, but hit the air just flow. Me but the you know way. what? If he didn't feel that airflow, he had no business uh, showing people how to apply finish. I couldn't agree more. And I, I nudged the other guy next to me, and I I, I pointed at the fan, and uh, he started laughing. He goes, you want to tell him? I said, uh, no. So, Rob, I'm a little bit competitive. <laughs> a little? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the next one? Oh, 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 you know what this one is. Airflow. Number four, airflow. You've seen my artwork at the school's. Well, I jumped the gun on this one. Um, yeah, airflow is critical for a lot of reasons. Uh, we want to have dead air when we're coating. And uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll get, if it's in the summertime, we'll turn that air condition up, get the house as cool as we can. But when I'm coating, I don't want any airflow at all. And then, of course, when the floor is done, you know, especially on these big gym floors and on the sports side, on your side, Rob, that uh, you want to open up and get a good fresh air exchange, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we do talk so much about airflow in the schools. One, just like you said, uh, I can't stress enough, too, how important it is, uh, especially on that very first coat on bare wood, because airflow is just, it's suicide. If, if you get, like you said, that guy who uh, had the fan going over his head when he was trying to apply a sealer on the first coat, forget about it. I don't want doors open. I don't want windows open. Nothing. I, I, Nothing. You know, garage doors open. I don't want anything open. I don't care how hot it is. Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, yeah. If another, if a trade's working on the other side of the house, get out. I mean, if you got to open those doors or whatever, you can't be in the house. Period. That's it. This is my. This is the time. So, um, yeah, the airflow is critical. And I think the airflow is just as critical. On the other end of the spectrum, too. You know, now that that, and I tell everybody, uh, you know, give that floor about a good hour and a half to flow and level out. And about an hour and a half, everything is going to flow and level out. So she's nice and smooth, just like a nice mill pond. Then we want to reverse that process. But I don't want to be blowing in. I always want to be evacuating. I want to be sucking out. If, if I'm working in a raised ranch and I'm coming down the hallway, sometimes I'll just duck into a bathroom and, you know, turn the exhaust fan on. Or if I'm working in a kitchen, turn the exhaust fan on. Just give those solvents and moisture some place to go and it will go. I mean, become a master of moving air. And Talk about a, talk about a gym floor, Rob, when, uh, if you don't uh, extract those uh, the solvents out of the room. Oh, we get, uh, you know, if you pull a couple of coats, especially that's when I've seen it, you know. Um, I'll never forget we walked into one gym in Long Island. And this was a, a bunch of years ago. But uh, it was one of my mentors that I was working with that day. And we walked into this gym. Now, we were going to go there and help those guys. Uh, we were going to show them how to coat and, you know, new products, whatever, water base. But they got there at like 4 o'clock in the morning. You know, custodians work real, real early. So they put down a first coat without us there. And then they were going to surprise us being done when we walked into the room. 
So they put a second coat down. They put the first one down about 4 o'clock, put the next one down around 7 o'clock. So we walked in at around 9.30. Now they had gone for coffee or whatever. So uh, when me and the guy that I was working with, when we walked in, I said, what the, what the hell is that? And he looked at me and he goes, Mr. Johnson, that's what we call a solvent cloud. And because they had done so many coats so close together, and it was humid as hell. We were working in Long Island. We were right near the water. Plus, it was a very humid day. So there wasn't a lot of room in the air to uh, handle this. And you could act, I mean, we actually saw it. It was a, it was a cloud in the room. It, was, it looked kind of hazy, you know. And that's when he said, you know, we have got to get this stuff out before this falls back down on the floor and really starts to screw up the curing process. So that's what we did. We opened all the doors, get some vans, put them in the doors, but we evacuated. We sucked out. We didn't push more air in there. We removed the solvents from that room. But that was one of the craziest things I ever saw. Wow. Yeah, it makes a difference, man. And I can say, you know, for a floor guy, you know, I do this every day. I mean, why now? Why Why on this one? Usually it has to do with something with the environment. What's the next one? Next one. Uh, this is a tough one for you and I. Read the directions. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know, I know it sounds obvious. But um, one day, my partner and I were at lunch. We were sitting in the truck eating. And every day, this guy was a big Mets fan. And I love the guy. But huge Mets fan. And every day, he just loved telling me stories about the Mets. And, you know, he was just a Met fanatic. And that's how I spent. So one day, I just I picked up a gallon of the finish we were using. I'm just trying to block his Met story and history out. I start reading the directions on the can. And we were using a water-based product at the time. And right there on the can, it said, no need to abrade if you get back on the floor within eight hours. <laughs> so at the time, we were braiding everything. You know, I mean, we coat, abrade, coat, abrade. You know, uh, that's how we did it. We had done it that way forever. Everything that we coated, we always abraded. And then here I'm reading this, and I'm like, am I, am I reading this? So finally, I'm like, Pete, wait a minute. Be quiet for a second. I go, read this and tell me what you're thinking here. And he goes, I think they're saying that we can just coat right over this without doing anything. And I'm like, that's impossible. You have to abrade. And so we ended up calling the company, and, well, it was amazing <laughs> what we found out just by reading the directions. And I know it sounds goofy, but you know the other thing you have to remember too about reading directions is VOC laws are always changing. And when VOC laws change, sometimes the directions change also. So it's a pretty good idea to read the directions and God, you might figure something out and save you a little bit of time too. Somewhere your your old partner is uh, working with somebody new, and he's telling him another Met story how he doesn't abrade <laughs> floors anymore, <laughs> and why. <laughs> All right, what do you got next? Floor number six 
on the 12th commandment chart, floor preparation. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about this already in the, in the past, I think for preparation, but, um, you know, I, I just say I, there's a there's a saying that I like is that every step you take should complement the next step. And uh, I thought you were going to sing that U two song. Uh, every step you take. Yeah, every is that U two? Is that U two? Every step you take. No. Every move you make. No, that's that that's Sting. Oh, that's the police. police do, yeah, 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 yeah. I always get them. Actually, I think he broke up from the police and went on his own and uh, completely hosed the rest of the guys in the band. Sting. Which, yeah, which I would do too. If I was a great lead singer, I'd replace everybody else in the band eventually. <laughs> that I mean, that you know, just, uh, not, I'd, I'd let I'd let the, the the drummer would be on notice all all the time, dude. Right. You know what hap- happened to Ringo? I mean, uh, or George Best? Was it George Best that Ringo replaced? I have I can't no remember. no idea. That's that's way before. Me. The uh, the drummer from uh, Rush just died, and as much as I'm a big music fan, I I uh, maybe I maybe think maybe I missed on him because uh, gosh, he had such a cult following, or uh, or maybe he wasn't a cult following; he's too big. But uh, I'm gonna re I'm gonna go back and uh, listen to some of their music because apparently he was an unbelievable drummer. Neil Pert, I think his name was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Canada's finest. I was actually in Toronto doing a school when he, when he passed, and uh, it was amazing. It was, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, actually, he's from the Toronto area, so uh, yeah, it was a uh, big time. I mean, that's probably one of Canada's biggest best bands. So, and he's dude, listen to uh... some of his drumming. It was amazing because they were um. You know, the one station I was listening to when we were up there, that's that's what they were going through. Some of his really good stuff and he wasn't that old either, too. He he wasn't that old. No. Um He wasn't their Canadian's best though. Who would be Canada's best rock band? You better tread lightly here, man. Well, I mean to me, it's Neil Young. But even he wasn't their greatest songwriter singer. And who would that be? The young gun himself, Gordon Lightfoot. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, to... that guy? Oh, that's, uh, uh, yeah. The ship I was mean, the pride of the American side. That guy. Yeah. Uh, that's a freaking great song, by the way. Uh, really good song. Actually, I, I was uh, I, I, I was at the point where you could see there's like a, a marker there where the ship went down uh, and talked about that. But Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, Neil Young, Neil Young is one of the all-time greats for me. I saw Neil Young three times, and he was completely different each time. And I mean, That's the beauty when, of Neil I, Young. when I mean completely different, like one time he just did Neil Young. You know what I mean? Heart of Gold, and he was Neil Young. What was the name of his band? It was he was there with his band Neil Young, and you know I don't know what the crazy cra- crazy, crazy horse, right? And then the next time we saw him, it was all trans music. It was like all synthesizers and the entire show. And I was like, what What the hell is he doing? This is insane. I kept waiting for, you know, Heart of Gold. Yeah. No way. It was all trans. And then I swear to you, two years later, he comes to Saratoga and he's playing all doo-wop music. He came out like, you know, like a greaser type, you know, 50s. And 
It was oh, yeah? all doo-wop. And I said, this guy's insane. This guy's got to be the craziest concert I've ever seen in my life. Well, I think one of your all-time favorite singers is uh, from Canada. Maybe you didn't know that. One of mine? Yeah. Who, who would that be? Justin Bieber. <laughs> hey, around uh, my house, we just call him the Beeb. Beeb. Yeah, you can't deny the guy. Uh, guy's done real well with <laughs> uh, Celine Dion. Another one. Um, she's an iconic singer, and then uh, Brian Adams, who's fantastic, but he's a bit of a whack job. Boy, you really know your freaking Canadian music, man. You're uh, yeah, well, yeah, you're killing it today. Big Brian Adams fan. I mean, he's, he's super talented. He's uh, he's the guy. Love cuts like a knife, right? Is that Brian Adams? I don't know if that if that is one of his songs. It's not one that I like. Sing me, sing me one that you like. No, man, I I can't. Come on, I I'm not. No, I'm not. You're not a singer. No, you're more of a writer. <laughs> you're a writer, yeah. aren't you? I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I think um, one thing I wanted to talk about with floor prep is. Make sure that you're prepping the floor before each different cut. Uh, I know that almost every floor guy out there has probably got burned the same way I did, uh, buffing for that final coat, picking up a little pebble or a little a little hang around there on that final buff and putting massive scratches in the floors that you don't see until you start pulling finish, and then you got to get back and do the whole thing over, where if I had just cleaned up a little bit before I did that final cut, prepare the floor for my final cut I wouldn't have run into that issue so floor preparation it's very important each step of the sanding process you know I I think by and large floor guys today are better than they were 20 years ago um, not just necessarily because of the machines but although that's part of it uh, the different sandpaper uh you know, processes out there and that, uh, you know, guys are starting to understand sandpaper more than that we did in the, back in the day. Why you would go to, you know, one sandpaper versus the other, the different pads that are out there. And uh, I think guys are more in tune. I mean, look at the, uh, the multi-disc, the power drive guys wanting flat floors and not, not accepting what was accepted years ago. You got noise. You just heard is my cat knocking everything off my desk. Sorry. Um, but, um, that, so yeah, floor prep is a big deal. And you talk about using screens. I mean, I, I wouldn't, we don't even, you know, uh, you know, a lot of guys aren't even using screens anymore between coats. That's why we see a braid. I think there's just better systems out yeah, there. Yeah, we just, we never use screens in the school anymore. Everything now is, you know, the 120 black on a multi disc and gives you such a nice footprint. I, you know, I think where you said, you know, floor guys today are better than they were 20 years ago. I wouldn't know. I, I don't know if they're better or they're just more educated. I think back 20, 30 years ago, there just wasn't the education. You know, what the NWFA and NOFMA, you know, what they do, one or two schools a year. And, and that was about it. Everything else was what you learned from Uncle Stan or, you know, what I learned in, from family and, and things like that. So... And with social media out there, I mean, I think that's helped a lot of guys too, or just giving guys a lot of suggestions, different things to try. So 
I don't think it's that they're better. I just think that they're more educated. Yeah, I I think that I mean social media to me has had a tremendous effect on guys because now guys can talk to each other and, and and you know and you know let's face it anytime you go to a school we call them instructors I mean you, they're learning from each other as much as they are from instructors and the instructors are learning from the students and there's an interaction there that that's important but um, uh, yeah I think there's just more knowledge out there and I. I and social media, by the way, is you're hearing what guys are doing not only in the states but over in Europe and different parts of, which brings to mind uh, uh, there's a lot of great floor guys in uh, Australia, and uh, I hope everybody's recovering from the fire they had. It was uh, devastating, and uh, just you know back here in America it was on TV every day and uh, seeing the devastation and with the poor animals and stuff. So I hope hope everybody's kind of back to normal, uh, but. Um, so yeah, social media has changed things tremendously. Okay, so this has been a recap of uh, Bonus 12 Commandments. Uh, there's 12 commandments. This week we did uh, Commandments 1 through 6, and the next episode will be 6 through 12. 7 through 12. Please stay tuned. 7 through 12. 7 through 12. Thank you, Rob. You're welcome. Um, well, maybe I wanted to recap number 6. You don't know. Uh, so uh, <laughs> please stay tuned for another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob.